Hey everybody, Brian McClanahan here. Are you looking for a great educational website? Then go to McClanahanAcademy.com. That's McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll free of charge. Get a free class 10 Myths of American History when you do enroll. Look, I've got awesome classes there. Classes on the Constitution, classes on the Civil War, classes on secession, classes on American history. A whole slew of great stuff just waiting for you. Go to McClanahanAcademy.com, enroll, and get a real history education. Who would have thought a Trump judge destroys federalism? No way. But of course it happened. We'll talk about that on this episode of The Brian McClanahan Show. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to The Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian Planning and Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page. You can find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. Or you can just look for at Brian McClanahan. You can find them that way too. But if you're at brianmcclanahan.com, give me that email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, free audiobook of the same title, read by yours truly. You can support the show by going to McClanahan Academy. You've already heard about that. But of course, if you're listening to this podcast in June of 2023, you can use the coupon code JUNE at McClanahan Academy and get 25% off all of my classes. And this is a great deal because prices are going up in July. So this will be the best chance you ever get to get these classes for that price. You won't see them that low again. So go to McClanahan Academy, use the coupon code JUNE at checkout for all classes and you can get 25% off. You can also support the show by clicking on the support tab at brianmcclanahan.com or clicking on that super thanks button under this video if you're watching on YouTube. Or you can go to Learn True, T-R-U-E, learntruehistory.com. It's my affiliate link for Tom Woodsbury Classroom. Or, of course, you can click on the shop tab at brianmcclanahan.com, get my logo and all kinds of cool stuff. You can also become a supporter at Spotify for podcasters. Lots of great ways to throw a few pennies my way. But as always, free and painless you can rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Let people know you love it. Give it that five-star review. Leave a text review wherever you can. Comment on YouTube for the algorithm and send me those show requests. And in fact, today is a listener-generated episode. I wasn't going to necessarily talk about this because, again, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse. But we talked about the federal courts last week. And I mentioned how progressives are wringing their hands over the federal courts and how they're destroying their whole agenda. But as I said, this is a little bit strange because federal courts are the only way they protect their agenda. And it's been that way for a long period of time because the states generally have been much more restrictive on the culture war. It doesn't matter what state you're in. You can take a state like California and look at its uh, fight against affirmative action, for example. Even back in the 1970s, 80s, and 90s, there was certainly a backlash to it in California. And the only reason that it was done away with in California, these restrictions on affirmative action, is because of a federal court. You see? So federal courts have been the vanguard of the leftist agenda, which is what I find fascinating, that these uh, these progressives think that the federal courts are somehow you know, alien or, or, uh, or uh, the, the uh, harbinger of destruction for their cause. I mean, this is ridiculous. Uh, now, they're concerned about the Supreme Court because, of course, at this point, they look at that as a 6-3 tilt in conservative favor, though we know that it doesn't always work that way. We know that 
you know, John Roberts, for example, doesn't always vote with the conservatives. And same thing with other judges on the bench. I mean, so it doesn't always go in the conservative favor. But what they're really wringing their hands over, of course, is the Dobbs decision, which didn't do anything but just say this is a state issue and the states can do what they want with it. And that's what we're seeing happening across the United States. I mean, in most states, not not much changed. I mean, in some states you had more restrictions, but in most states, not much changed. So uh, this is where I find all of this fascinating. They want to make it to where, of course, Congress says that the federal courts cannot invalidate a federal law, but they can invalidate state laws. That's the key. Because you see, the, the ruling that just took place in Tennessee on the drag shows, which was completely consistent with federalism in the original Constitution, but of course, if we look at incorporation and all the problems that brings, it wasn't, and I'll talk about that. Uh, then um, that would still fall under their what they want out of the federal courts. You can invalidate a state law, but you cannot invalidate a federal law. You see, they understand what's going on here. What they want to do is create a unitary United State. This has always been the agenda of the progressive left, even going back to the Lincoln administration, the Lincoln regime, the Republicans of the 1850s and 60s. They wanted to create a United State, not a United States, plural. And so that's the real issue in American history. How much centralization are we going to have? How much uh, centralization of power are we going to get in Washington, D.C.? Even if you go back and look at what James Wilson said in 1787, the State House Yard speech, his speech focused on that particular issue. That was the very first part of the speech. People, of course, were worried about the powers of the presidency. They were worried about the powers of the Supreme Court. Would they be abused? They were worried about the ability for the central government to tax. They worried about all that stuff. But at the beginning, the most important issue, even Patrick Henry opening the Virginia Convention, why why, uh, we the people? Why not we the states? It was always about centralization of power because everyone realized that if you centralize power in a federal republic, with such a diverse group of people, you're going to create conflict. And that's why they were against this. Why James Wilson said, you know, the thing is here, we've got a central authority that can't really do much. It's limited by the document itself, but we have all the states that can do whatever they want. Well, this ruling completely flies in the face of that. You see, because there's nothing in the U.S. Constitution, even as amended, and I'll talk about that in a minute, that allows the general government to rule on this particular issue, a federal court. This amounts to a federal negative of state law, which again, the founding generation voted down, explicitly voted down, or at least the the men in the Philadelphia Convention, and it was rejected outright, I think for the most part, by the majority of people in, in the United States at the time, in the states themselves. They didn't want the federal government in any way to have a negative over state law. It was something that they were completely against. So, this is what we have now with the federal court system. Now, when I say the Constitution even as amended, the 14th Amendment wasn't even designed to do what they're doing now. And, of course, the ruling by Justice Parker, a federal judge, in the Tennessee case, uh, relies on a 14th Amendment incorporation of the First Amendment. That's what we're getting to here, right? So, this is incorporation, and this is exactly what was not designed by the 14th Amendment. We know it because 
there was a few instances where people talked about this. Even Bingham himself talked about it. But of course, that particular position was not adopted. So uh, this is the real issue. We got Randy Barnett, of course, running around in his new book saying, yeah, a corporation is definitely in the 14th Amendment. It's the history of it. You've got Eric Foner saying the same thing. Well, with you know, Barnett is, is a conservative. With friends like that, you don't need any enemies. The 14th Amendment was not designed. If you read Raoul Berger's book, just get his concise book, The 14th Amendment. Um, it's, it's great. I mean, you can get government by judiciary, and you can. it's a longer, but the 14th Amendment was designed to answer all the critics that were doing things like Randy Barnett and Eric Foner. This debate isn't new. And what we have are a whole bunch of judges who believe in incorporation. If anything can come out of these, of, of these podcasts or any of my courses at McClanahan Academy, I would hope that people who are taking that, who go into law and then maybe become judges, stop this nonsense. If you want peace in America, political peace, social peace, you have to start believing in federalism. It's the only way forward because it allows for Massachusetts to be Massachusetts and Tennessee to be Tennessee and, of course, California to be California. And if you don't like living in those states, move. You can go to the state that more reflects your views. Anyone that wants to do these things in Tennessee, if they don't like it, of course, they can go somewhere else. They can go live in another state. They could go across the border to, I don't know, take your pick. Uh, anywhere you want to go where these things are perfectly legal. These kind of shows and this kind of activity. So just go where you're welcome and stay out of Tennessee. This is what no one ever gets. And if you do live in Tennessee, well, then you gotta, you got to, uh, you know, have your behavior according to law. This is a behavioral problem, right? So you can't do those things in these states. But again, this is a an issue of the 14th Amendment, the First Amendment, and of course, incorporation. It's a complete distortion of federalism. It's why when conservatives run around saying, we need more federal, we need more conservative judges, judges. Trump needs to get more judges. We need more Republicans in Congress so we can get more conservative judges. So you get stuff like this. Again, the only remedy for this, this is where the 10th Amendment Center is great, the only remedy for this really is uh, ig ignoring this stuff. I mean, now it's difficult when you start getting court injunctions and everything else because if, people, if the state actually enforced the law, now here's where you get a tricky issue. They could just say, all right, well, they've made the ruling. We're still going to enforce the law. Now there is the 11th Amendment for state sovereign immunity. The state can say, we're not going to be sued over this. We refuse to show up. We're going to enforce the law. But what they would do is go after mayors and police officers individually, they would go after individuals for doing it rather than just the state itself. So that would make it a little more complicated. In the founding generation, they would have just run the judges out of town. I mean, this is essentially what happened in Pennsylvania when they didn't want to pay the tax. They just ran them out of town. And of course, this is where I talk about nine presidents who screwed up America and how Washington did a disservice to the U.S. Constitution and originalism by marching troops into western Pennsylvania, even when the governor of Pennsylvania said, we don't need you and don't want you, which of course was required. Even when the chief justice of the Supreme Court said you can't do it, Washington, of course, found James Wilson of Pennsylvania, who hated these people and wanted to get them back anyways. I mean, this is where history really matters in all of these things. You've got precedents set that are dangerous precedents that are flying in the face of the way the Constitution was ratified and what people said it meant when it was ratified. But let's get into the story. This is an AP story, and I'll talk about um, the, uh, the federal judge. 
So it's, uh, this is from the AP. Tennessee's first-in-the-nation law designed to place strict limits on drag shows is unconstitutional, a federal judge says. Now, the other thing about this, of course, this is an injunction in Tennessee. Now, what I find fascinating about that is even these progressives are starting to say, well, I mean, why does an injunction in Tennessee, if it's, uh, if it's dealing with something that we like or we don't like, right? So why would a federal decision in one state affect all the states? Well, isn't that exactly what conservatives have been saying for years? Why would an injunction in Tennessee affect anywhere else? It shouldn't. It should affect Tennessee, you see. But other states could still be going along with this stuff. People would have to file injunctions in those states. I mean, this is the thing. And I would bet that the Tennessee Constitution might say something about this. So why did these people sue in federal court? Well, because we all think that if you run a red light and you get a traffic ticket for running a red light, you have to go and sue in federal court. This is how stupid America has become. This should have been a case in Tennessee. It's a Tennessee law in the state of Tennessee. It should have been in Tennessee courts. The Tennessee Supreme Court should have ruled in this. Not a federal court. The federal judge is overstepping his authority here. But this is what judges do because it gives them power. You see, Thomas Parker gets something out of this. Well, he's going to weigh in on this and he's going to get political points. Maybe he can get a better appointment at some point in the future. Maybe he's not going to be stuck as a district judge. Maybe one day Thomas Parker could be a real Supreme Court judge. Maybe. <laughs> this is what I find fascinating about all of this. There's politics at play here, too. Now, I don't know if this is going to help him with conservatives. I mean, they'll look at this and say, you jerk, you did this. But you might get a centrist Democrat saying, you know, Thomas Parker was right. Maybe Thomas Parker should be somebody we look at putting on the bench. You see? Now, of course, when you look at these um, rulings, and I've read the text of it, you go from the language that was used in the 19th century, even the early 20th century, to the language used now. And um, it's just fascinating how far we've come in terms of essentially dumbing down everything in America. But it's, it's evident by even the quotes in this particular piece. The law is both unconstitutionally vague and substantially overbroad and encouraged discriminatory enforcement. According to the ruling late Friday by U.S. District Judge Thomas Parker, who was appointed by former President Donald Trump, there is no question that obscenity is not protected by the First Amendment, but there is a difference between material that is obscene in the vernacular and material that is obscene under the law, Parker said. So, uh, the First Amendment doesn't protect obscenity, but we have to talk about under the law and then in vernacular. Simply put, a majority of the Supreme Court has held that sexually explicit but not obscene speech receives less protection than political, artistic, or scientific speech, he said. The majority of the Supreme Court... So look, again, here's the problem. Who cares what the majority of the Supreme Court has said? What about Tennessee? You see, this is a Tennessee law. It should have been adjudicated in the state of Tennessee first. And then, if they didn't have any relief there, then they could have appealed perhaps, of the federal government. But again, this is where I've said the, uh, the Constitution died in 1789 with the First Judiciary Act because of the appellate nature of that particular law. We're going to allow all these state Supreme Court decisions to go right to federal court. That's ridiculous. 
That should have never happened. That's a distortion, again, of original intent. The law would have banned adult cabaret performances from public property or anywhere minors might be present. Performers who broke the law risk being charged with a misdemeanor or a felony for a repeat offense. So let me go back to that quote before. Simply put, no majority of the Supreme Court held that sexually explicit but not obscene speech receives less protection than political, artistic, or scientific speech. So this speech is lumped in with all these other things. But what is even, again, we have all this, these terms being used, but what does that even mean? Is this even speech? Is a show speech? Is it? I mean, uh, is that people speaking? I mean, what's going on here? Parker used the example of a female performer wearing an Elvis Presley costume and mimicking the iconic musician who would be at risk of punishment under the drag law because they would be considered a male impersonator. Again, this is the kind of stuff, well, you, what about this? You throw this whataboutism that creates problems. I'm going to tell you right now, no one would have thought that was explicit. No one would have thought that's obscene. Now, in the 1950s, they certainly did when Elvis was up there doing it himself. I mean, a lot of parents were upset about this, but uh, no one would say that's obscene. People aren't talking about that. This is, this is the problem with uh, the the uh, the judge. Well, what about this? We could say that that would be the case, but they wouldn't be. That wouldn't. No one ever be arrested for that. Friends of George's, a Memphis-based LGBTQ plus theater company, filed a complaint in March saying the law would negatively impact them because they produce drag-centric performances, comedy sketches, and plays with no age restrictions. You see, here's the problem. They could just said, okay, we'll make it 18 and older, and then there would have been no issue. You see, what's going on here? All they would have had to do is just say, we're going to make this 18 and older, and then voila, the issue is solved. But no, no, no. They want to make sure that they don't have any age restrictions on this because they don't think that their, that their performance is dangerous to children. Now, the state of Tennessee and the people of Tennessee think otherwise. So therefore, in the state of Tennessee, there should have been restrictions on this. But some dopey federal judge, not understanding federalism, knocks this thing down and using a faulty incorporation doctrine. Now, this doesn't mean that other states can't do the exact same thing in the other way. In Massachusetts, there's no age restrictions. And these people could just go to Massachusetts or California, or Florida, wherever else they want to go where there's no age restrictions on this stuff. I mean, it could have happened that way, but no. It has to be their way, and they're going to have to press it, you see. This win represents a triumph over hate, the theater company said in a statement Saturday, adding that the ruling affirmed their First Amendment rights as artists. First Amendment rights as artists. Now, if you, if you look at the First Amendment, it says nothing about art, number one. Uh, and the fact that these people are saying it's a First Amendment right. I mean, this is where I've cautioned the gun people, you know, the Second Amendment right. I have a Second Amendment right to do this. I have a First Amendment right. No. Uh, you you have uh, those things if you're essentially on federal property. The federal government cannot do these things. The federal government cannot take this stuff away. But the states can do anything they want. That's the whole issue here. This is real federalism. Similar to the countless battles the LGBTQ community has faced over the last several decades, our collective success relies upon everyone speaking out and taking a stand against bigotry, the group said. And again, these statements are fine if you're talking about a state 
that supports this stuff. But I mean, the people of Tennessee don't want it around. Or at least not under 18. They didn't say it's illegal for people under 18. They just said you got to have an age restriction on it. That's the whole issue. This is why you, you, you see it's bigger than just this. There, there, there's certainly an agenda here. It's bigger than just saying, all right, fine. The, the people of this community say they don't want it unless you're 18, so we can't do this at schools. We can't do this in parades. We have to simply uh, do this in theaters 18 or older. What would have been a harm in that? Well, I'll leave that to your discretion, but what would have been the harm in that? Senate Majority Leader Jack Johnson, a Republican who was one of the law's main sponsors, said he was disappointed with the ruling. Sadly, this ruling is a victory for those who support exposing children to sexual entertainment, Johnson said, adding that he hoped the state's attorney general would appeal the perplexing ruling. Initially, the complaint listed Republican Governor Bill Lee, Attorney General Jonathan Skirmetti, and Shelby County District Attorney General Stephen Mulroy as defendants. But the plaintiffs later agreed to dismiss the governor and top legal chief, although Skirmetti continued to represent Mulroy for this case. Now again, where's the 11th Amendment here? Why don't states use that? They're suing the governor, the attorney general, and the district attorney, which, of course, is only created by the state. So the state could have said, you know what, you're not, we're not going to show up in court. We're sovereign. This is an issue for the states. It's not an issue for the federal government. We're not showing up. Sorry. State sovereign immunity. This is where I wish, you know, back in, uh, in the 19th century, there were some states that considered this. Even 1819, McCulloch v. Maryland, there was some open discussion about this. We've already got the 11th Amendment. We're not showing up. We're not allowing ourselves to be sued. And if you don't allow yourself to be sued, well, then it's, it's null and void. The states can do that. This is the whole point of the 11th Amendment. It's the forgotten amendment. Now, the Supreme Court has narrowly interpreted that. Well, you can't. The states can't do this. The states can't do that. The states can't, can't uh, this narrowly interest only for certain things. That's not for the court to decide. That's not for the Supreme Court to decide. The states ratified that amendment with the understanding of what it meant was that they weren't going to be dragged before a federal court when they didn't want to be. And Tennessee could have said, no, sorry, we're not, we're not coming before the court. The states really need to start using this to their advantage. A spokesman for both Skirmetti and Mulroy did not immediately respond Saturday to requests for comment on Parker's ruling. Tennessee's Republican-dominated legislature advanced the anti-drag law earlier this year, with several GOP members pointing to drag performances in their hometowns as reason why it was necessary to restrict such performances from taking place in public or where children could view them. I mean, okay, so they have to be the theater company could have had their theater with 18 or older, and they could have still done all the shows they wanted. Without any problems, no one would have said a word to them. You see, this isn't a restriction on the First Amendment. This is a restriction on their ability to press their, their views on everybody wherever they want at any time they want. No one's saying you couldn't do it in your own theater or without 18 or older. No one's saying that at all. Yet the actual word drag doesn't appear in the statute. Instead, lawmakers changed the state's definition of adult cabaret to mean adult-oriented performances that are harmful to minors. Furthermore, male or female impersonators were classified as a form of adult cabaret, akin to strippers or topless dancers. The governor quickly signed off on the statute and was set to take effect April 1st. However, to date, the law has never been enforced because a federal judge has sided, 
had sided with the group that challenged the statute in March, and he temporarily blocked the law. So it's never taken effect because a federal judge says, yeah, you can't do this. Again, a federal judge stepping into a situation he had no no control over. This should have been a, should have been challenged in Tennessee court, which if the Tennessee Constitution doesn't allow this this kind of law, well then it should have been unconstitutional. But it's not a federal issue here. This is the problem with the culture war. Again, whatever your views are on this, if you're pro these things or anti these things, this really is a federal issue. Uh, not a federal issue. I'm sorry. This really is a state issue only. Not a federal issue. That's the that's the problem with all of this. And I would say the same thing about gun control legislation. When conservatives get riled up when a state like Pennsylvania or New York passes these strict gun laws, I say the same thing there. This is not a federal issue. It's a state issue. It always has been. As long as the federal government wasn't passing a law here. Now, now if the federal government had passed a law like this, then this this uh, group, this uh, theater group, could have challenged it in federal court and said this is unconstitutional. But it's not. It's a Tennessee law. That's the issue. That's the real problem. Parker also cited how the law's sponsor, Republican State Representative Chris Todd, had previously helped lead an effort to block a drag show in his district before introducing the drag ban proposal. Todd later confirmed that he hadn't seen the performance, but nevertheless pursued legal action to stop the show, and the event was held indoors with an age restriction. Again, what's wrong with that? They still get to have the show. It still is. People have to be a certain... I mean, you still get people to come to these things. I mean, are we going to then you know, say that uh, any of these things can be wide open in the middle of the street? Any of this stuff... No age restriction? Would those would those restrictions then be illegal? I mean, we're starting to split hairs now. This incident was among the several reasons to, be, to believe that the anti-drag laws was geared towards placing prospective blocks on drag shows, regardless of the potential harm to minors, Parker wrote. So, uh, just, I mean, regardless of that, this, uh, this guy wanted to get rid of these things. Okay, so he had a law in his in his town where they had an indoors with age restriction. Again, most normal people would see that as, okay, yeah, what's, what's wrong with that? <laughs> this, this is the weird thing about all this. The drag law marks the second major proposal targeting LGBTQ people passed by Tennessee lawmakers this year. Lee signed into the G- law of the GOP-backed legislation banning most gender-affirming care, which is being challenged in court. Again, that's a federal issue, too. Or not a federal issue, too. That's a state issue, too. Not a federal issue. All of these things are state issues, but what we've gotten in America is this really strange position that everything is a federal issue. Why? Because of incorporation. And if we could ever undo that, I think you would start seeing a much more peaceful political society. Tennessee would have passed this law. They would have said, okay, well, this applies in Tennessee. That The, the the uh, theater company, the troops, whatever they are, would have said, all right, well, we got to do our shows indoors with an age restriction. Who cares? I mean, why are they so insistent on, on uh, you know, minors being present? Because this is the question you have to start asking. Why are they insistent on that? What, what is the, what's going on here? Um, if, if, if you don't, I mean, if you just want to put on the show, you can still do it. You just can't have anyone under 18 and you got to do it inside. You can't have it in the middle of the park or on a parade or something like that. Why are you so insistent on these things? 
is the real question. But at the end of the day, this was a Tennessee law. It should have been challenged in Tennessee court, not federal court. And that's the real issue going on with this particular case. And where Judge Parker is 100% incorrect to even issue the injunction or to issue this kind of ruling. Because he is destroying, if he really is a conservative, then he wouldn't believe in incorporation. Incorporation is not conservative. It is an outgrowth of the progressive courts of the 20th century and a complete distortion of the original meaning of the 14th Amendment and the original Constitution. All right. See you tomorrow on the Brian McClanahan Show. See you then.